2: Holly. Hey Dave. What is happening today on the What Difference Does It Make podcast? What's happening? That's a good 80s theme. (laughs) A great theme. Besides that, how are you, Holly?
3: I'm feeling good. I'm trying to think about the soundtrack to my life. Like what would my theme song be?
2: (laughs) Well, this is an exciting episode. It's one of those crossover episode. Remember when the Harlem Globetrotters visited Gilligan's Island? They had a TV movie. Someone you wouldn't think would match together. Or somehow they ended up on an island. Somehow we've ended up on a different podcast. And right now we're on What Difference Does It Make? But tell everybody what's happening here. So
3: our guests today are the 80s TV ladies. that is Sharon Johnson and Susan Lambert Heddem. They've got their awesome 80s podcast to the 80s TV ladies. And since our chat with them went a long, long time, they are going to run the second half on their podcast. So we're going to run part one, which is what this is. And they are going to run part two, which uh,
2: should be a whole lot of fun because it was a whole lot of fun to talk to them. It's two parts, but Holly will still be chopping up this episode. And you could find all two hours or just a lot of the highlights. It's a clip show. If you want to find the clip show, You can find it on our YouTube channel. And where is that?
3: That is at What Difference Does It Make podcast. And we'll also be posting them on our social media at WDDIM podcast. So yeah, check it out and see uh, our uh, interactions with Sharon Johnson and Susan Lambert Haddam of the 80s TV Ladies podcast.
2: If you found us because of the 80s TV Ladies, welcome to it. This was part one. You Maybe you you listened to part two first and then you listened to this. It doesn't really matter. Either way is fine. Welcome aboard if you found us. And uh, you could find us at WDDIMpodcast.com. You could sign up for our newsletter if you'd like. We have new episodes every Friday. Okay, so if we taken care of all the doodads and information that needs to happen?
3: We have taken care of business, I believe, Dave. So let's get into it.
2: <laughs> As we go mano a mano with the 80s TV ladies on What Difference Does It Make? Aaron, hi. Good morning. Ah, good morning. Good morning.
3: Uh, yay. Thank you for agreeing to do this. This will be fun. Of course. I've listened to a few of your episodes. It made me sorry that I never watched. It's a living. And of course, now that I'm going back on all this TV stuff, I realized how many series I did
0: not watch in the 80s. So are we. I mean, even though I was watching TV in the 80s, it was impossible to watch everything because everything you wanted (laughs) to even because there was no time shifting available. So you had to pick something. And then maybe get it on the reruns over the summer. But if it got canceled or maybe they wouldn't run all the episodes. So it was a different time.
2: What show did you tape? Did you figure out how to tape or, you know, like, okay, I can't miss this episode. Uh, I'm going to set the VCR for Tuesdays, eight o'clock because I need to watch this show. Or was there a show that you did that?
0: Well, that began to happen towards the, I guess, the end of the eighties. It's hard to know where to start actually. (laughs) But I will say just something that I always always think about when I think about this and that this was actually more 90s and 80s. But uh, Susan and I met through a mutual friend and our friend Brittany had asked me to record Friends for her because she didn't have enough. VCR bandwidth to record it for herself. What does that even mean, bandwidth? (laughs) In the the 90s, you were not saying bandwidth. She may have had two VCRs, but whatever she had, it wasn't enough. And knowing that I probably had two myself or there wasn't something I was recording, she asked me to record it for her. I was not planning to watch that show. But as a result of her asking me to record it, I did watch it. And of course, fell in love with it like the rest of the world. So that's what I always think about when I think about you know, the whole time shifting thing. That's the
2: first thing that comes to mind. And that is Sharon. So initially, why don't you just say your names so we know who is saying what? So
0: I'm uh, Susan Lambert Haddam. And I'm Sharon Johnson. And I have an almost overwhelming urge to say, welcome to 80s TV ladies (laughs) after that. (laughs) Because that's usually the way we start.
3: You say, welcome to the What Difference Has It Made
1: podcast (laughs) with the 80s TV ladies. (laughs) Thank you. I am so excited you guys reached out. We had really enjoyed meeting you and so glad we can get together and do this.
2: This sounds fun. Very exciting. Us too. Uh, Yeah. So because we're doing like, um, we're mashing. We're doing a mashup, meaning we're 80s music, you're 80s TV. We're cramming them together to make one amazing show where we talk about TV music or music from that 80s TV music. I'm sorry. Well, I can't. As I've noticed, some of it drifts back to the 70s, some goes into the 90s. There's Uh, a little bit of leeway on either end of the decade, I think. Okay, so going into the 90s, and you mentioned Friends. Are you good on Friends trivia? Because there's one song I'm going to mention from the 80s that was played on the 90s show Friends. Okay, so it was U2's With or Without You. Why was this song played? Oh, I don't
1: know. I would be I outright guessing that it was over um, some either a Monica uh, Chandler love story or Phoebe.
0: <laughs> I would think I would have guessed more Ross and Rachel. Yes, related. there you
2: go. There you go. OK, so Rachel is sad because, you know, we're on a break. We were on a break. <laughs> but, you know, Monica turns on the radio and as soon as they turn it on, of course, the disc jockey comes on the air and says.
1: The next one dedicated to Rachel from Ross. Rachel, he wants you to know he's deeply sorry for what he
0: did and he hopes you can find it in your heart to forgive him. See the stone set in your eyes. See the thorn twist in your side. I'll wait
1: for you. Uh, we've just gotten a call from Rachel and she told us what Ross did. It's pretty appalling and, Ross, if you're listening, I don't want to play your song anymore.
0: <laughs> oh, that's funny. Too funny. I, yes, I don't remember that moment. I must confess that <laughs> I was with, I am with, I'm in team Ross when it comes to the whole, we were on a break thing.
2: Oh, really? I always
1: have
0: been.
2: <laughs> okay. Very good. Little inside into sh- little insight into Sharon.
3: <laughs> okay this goes and Dave will agree that this goes right along with my personality. They were on a break, but I still empathize with her. So they were oh, on a break, but I feel and I agree even though they were on a break.
0: I, <laughs> so you're playing that both sides. It. That's usually yes. me. Uh, <laughs> it's not that I lack empathy, but I if I'm remembering correctly, she's the one that said we're
2: on a break. <laughs> right. And made no conditions about the break that she wanted. I feel like every time you say "break," you that's... have to say break.
1: <laughs> we break. "break." we were on a
3: break. We're on a break. I appreciate temp. good decision making and good. <laughs> I, I do appreciate that. <laughs> or opinion, having a having a strong opinion one way,
2: one way or the other.
0: Oh goodness! Oh. Yeah, the eternal debate. But I, I know I'm. I know I'm. I know I'm on one side of the room all by myself, primarily with regard to that one. But. <laughs>
1: Well, what's interesting is I've always been the the Ross Rachel being less interesting to me than the other relationships on the show.
0: So I'm in that <laughs> corner of the
1: room by myself.
0: Well, I, I don't I don't disagree. I'm not sure that that relationship for me was what I enjoyed most about the show. I think I enjoyed more the interaction between and the friendships and all of that. And the relation that relationship was okay. Even Monica Monica and Chandler. Okay, if that's the way they're going with it, but still it was the anyway. We seem to be getting off the topic. We do the yes. off That happens all that
2: happens for you
3: guys too. We go off the, oh, deep.
2: the Yeah, go off the deep end. That's the
3: good. difference is we'll include it in we'll include it in the episode and works for me. Yeah.
2: One of your recent episodes with, was was with a musician, a composer. Who was that? And what's the show? And let's get a little bit into what the TV ladies have been up to lately.
0: Are you talking about Paul Kreppel, perhaps, or I, was I, there? I, is I there believe someone so. Else was, it, can...
2: was it? Was it? It's a living. Under I It's a Living. I believe yeah. so. Wasn't he the, the composer or what? Or please. no, he was.
0: He played the
1: piano player. <laughs> That's on right. The show. That's
2: right. That's right. That's right. Okay. Uh, yeah. Please. So he <laughs>
1: he actually didn't even play piano. Nice. So he was faking everything, but was basically there to, he sings show tunes and hit on the girls in a very eighties way.
2: Sure. Hi, Sonny. Lois, Lois,
1: Lois. I'd like to kiss you head to toe. Blow it
0: out, you know it. (laughs) Thank you.
1: He did do a lot of singing and dancing on the show, um, which there was. We actually... Brought on a friend of mine Michelle Malone, who's a singer songwriter from uh, Georgia. We talked about the ladies of Cheers and Christmas because it was Christmas time, and she sang us a Christmas song. But that's the only like musician musician oh, yeah. that we've had on the show so far. But we'd love to get some more on the show because we haven't really, other than theme songs, yeah. which you know we love to talk about. We haven't uh, dived into a lot of the
2: '80s music. Yeah, I guess you can get Gary Portnoy on your show. If I said Gary Portnoy, who would I be talking about? Someone knows. Yes, Susan, you're buzzing in.
1: I'm buzzing in. I am buzzing in. I am trying to remember. It's not, it's not Greatest American Hero. It is, it is cheers. It is cheers. It is cheers. <laughs> Yay. <laughs> there you go.
2: Point for TV ladies.
1: It was on my list uh, <laughs> of theme songs that I love from the 80s where everybody knows your name. Yeah. That I, one is one of, I think, kind of the all time, right? Theme it, songs.
2: It is. It is. As I looked, it made it up to number 83 on the charts in 1983. It was actually written by two people, Gary Portnoy and Judy Hart Angelo. And it was for like, a, I guess initially it was for like a Broadway show that was supposed to. It, it's just, it's a crazy story that they have this <laughs> whole thing written out. She wasn't even a writer, Judy Hart Angelo and Gary Portnoy was, they just kind of met by happenstance. Um So in the fall of 1981, Gary Portnoy and Judy Hart were at a crossroads in their lives. Gary was in between songwriting partners and just been fired as a staff writer for a major music publisher, and Judy had recently enrolled the youngest of her three kids in the first grade. One night, Judy was out to dinner and found herself seated next to a Broadway producer who was looking for someone to compose the score for his new musical. Almost on a whim, Portnoy and Hart decided to take a shot at collaborating on the songs for the musical entitled Preppies. And anyway, and then that's how their partnership began. So it's it's almost like a TV show. Mm. A
1: that is very funny. I love when people are like, oh yeah. Then I was sitting next to somebody, and they just said, "I'm looking for this," and I was like, "Sure, <laughs> I'll do that." Like, right. what do we? Why do I feel so
3: cynical
0: about that? It doesn't happen that way. <laughs> <No>. <laughs> doesn't happen that way enough. It should happen that yeah. way a lot more. Yeah. Oh, I did not know anything about his his history or the backstory on, on the, the song. So that's really interesting. Yeah. But he performed it
1: too. He wrote it. Right. And they, he sings yeah. it for the show.
2: Right. I think they were trying to get like a big name. And I think maybe the, the producer said, you know what? We like this demo. The demo works for us. And so that's that's how it uh, kind of became Gary Portnoy's song. Making your way in the world today Takes everything you've got Taking a break from all your worries Sure would help a lot Wouldn't you like
1: to get away? Sometimes you want to go Where everybody knows your name And they're always glad you came
2: It's and really it's, just one yeah. of the best. You hear it, it, you immediately have a feeling. All right. So, I mean, we didn't say which friend you were identified with, but which Cheers character are you? Oh, gosh. Um, am I or
0: do I want to be? That is the question. <laughs> um, because to a large extent, I think I've. <laughs>
2: We're all, we're all a little Norm. We want to be Norm.
0: Well, as, as, as someone who doesn't, who doesn't drink adult beverages, I'm not sure that, that Norm would definitely would be on my list. Yeah. Why can't I think of her name? Short curly haired. Carla. Waitress. Carla.
2: Carla. Oh, yes. oh the sassy I, one. Yes. Sassy.
0: Yes. I love Carla. Carla speaks her mind. Carla doesn't take any crap from anybody, but I am probably more like Cliff than
2: anybody else. <laughs> oh, <okay>. <laughs> Nice. <laughs> Some fun facts about, <laughs> you just always provide the fun facts.
0: Probably, wow. you know, anyway, yeah, I know. But
2: Carla is who I would like to be.
0: I think I'm somewhere between
1: Carla and Diane Chambers. Okay.
2: <laughs> just sassy? Well, just, just uh,
1: you know, I'm, I'm a little bit of a intellectual snob, but, oh, okay. uh, <laughs> but but down to earth about it. So not quite Diane Chambers.
2: All right. And Holly?
1: I would like to be Carla. <laughs> <laughs> I, I, diane
3: yes but i'd like to think i am carla but i'm probably more like cliff <laughs> just you know with annoying stories and you know all be...
0: on too long <laughs> although i'd like to think any any trivia that i or any any asides that i come up with or or spout are are based in fact as opposed to fiction as <laughs> you yeah. often the case with cliff but still, yeah, for for better or worse,
1: yes. Well, I'm working my way towards coach, so we all, yeah, we
2: all, <laughs> we all yeah, are. Just yeah. wander around, yeah. just aimlessly. <laughs> yeah. Why did I come into this room? Yeah, Dave, yeah, we're, you. We're all like that. Yeah, I'd like to think I'm Norm. Just always has uh, the the quick one liner. It's a dog eat dog world, and I'm eating milkbone underwear. <laughs> <And> <laughs> nobody said Sam. Where nobody is. I feel like I'm never going to yeah. be Sam. But yeah, a little bit Cliff, a little bit Norm.
3: I just think there are really fun, likable qualities and all, which I guess that's helps it make a great T V show. I'd like to have a little bit of everybody.
2: Yeah, of course. That's that's I'd fine. like to.
3: I'm not saying that's who I am. I'm saying that's what I, I we could
2: aspire to.
1: I wanted to know everybody.
2: I wanted to be able to go to Cheers. Right. I did and go have to, that relationship with people. I did go to Cheers. I did when I was in Boston. Yeah, I went to ah. the bar.
1: So you mm-hmm. visited the bar.
2: I visited the bar. And, and how was it? It was a bar. I did. <laughs> I didn't see any of my friends there. I didn't. Uh, I don't remember striking up any conversations. Did everybody know your name? And nobody knew my name. I know, <laughs> I know everybody wants to. I know you want to step in there and everyone's Dave, but no, it's nothing <laughs> like did it,
0: that. Did it resemble the set at all a, that a, we know from? A,
2: a little bit, but there was more reminders of this is the Cheers bar, and here's your souvenirs that you can purchase that you were at this bar, and you know it's a tourist trap. Mm-hmm. But it is what it is. Well,
1: it's interesting. And just to bring a little bit of the ladies into it, because Cheers comes up a lot in our 80s TV ladies show. People want to talk about it, even though it's not female driven. The female characters are so strong, right? Between Diane and Carla and Rebecca, they are such strong female characters on that show that it comes up quite a lot people want to talk about it because those characters resonated so i think what's interesting is i'd be curious what the female characters are going to be and that's oddly one of the things i now look for in a show maybe not oddly but it's odd to me i now is hard for me not to look at a show and go what's the representation right because otherwise i'm not sure i'm going to exactly trust the voice
2: the women were not friends really I don't think they liked each other. I don't think they would hang out with each other after the bar closes. Well,
1: Carly didn't like anybody. Right. Well, that's (laughs) true. But I mean, the guy, you know,
2: it was bonding for the guys, but the women just were, you know, they didn't, there was no uh, camaraderie, I think. But
1: The interesting thing about it is Diane started off very much as a caricature for me in many ways, and then over time became a sort of more of a full person and kind of supported many times still made fun of, but ultimately supported by Carla and the gang. And Rebecca felt like, and again, I haven't studied Cheers lately, but in my memory, she came in more as kind of a a more fully realized person and not just a caricature. Like Like Diane Chambers came in to be a foil for Sam and ultimately got to be kind of her own character. And Rebecca came in and they were so kind of adept at that point that they did one of the things that I think is almost impossible, which is sort of to replace the romantic female lead in a show and continue to have chemistry. I, I, it's always been kind of an amazing thing that they did on that show. Mm-hmm. That's almost luck. Those scripts are so interesting. Our oldest and I, Owen, we started watching Cheers again, and I thought I was going to spend a lot of it cringing, because Owen is not of this generation. And I was surprised how much we both enjoyed it, and how deft and insightful the writing was. It's a show that, at least, I haven't watched the whole thing again, but it's a very smart show. It's a very smart show. You're making me want to go back. Well,
2: it's worth it. It's worth <laughs> a look yeah, at. Yeah, it really is. No, that's, that's a testament that's, that's aged well. I'm sure you watch a lot of shows and it's, it's tough. I, I remember when we, when we first met, you we were doing like something yes. on Remington mm-hmm. Steel, and I tried watching an episode and I could not, I couldn't get oh, through it. Even, even the episode that I was in, you know, with the marching band. Oh, more, that's right. More, more tied that's to, right. To, to the mu- the music episode where, where they, yeah. they you know, jump into the gym. It, it, and it was just—I I don't know—it it was just kind of very cheesy to me, and was tough for me to to watch.
0: I fully expected to have that that reaction when I when we first started the podcast, and and I first started going back and watching the shows that we covered, at least certainly the ones we've covered so far. But I was really surprised that I had the opposite reaction. That I thought that they held up much better than I remembered, or than I expected them to. I thoroughly enjoyed watching them. Obviously they're they're of a different time and they're right. of a different era to a certain extent, but still I I was very pleasantly surprised. Oh. When maybe I went it's, back and watched them. So maybe sorry you had that reaction.
2: No, maybe it's just because I dropped myself into this one episode. You had been fully engaged in the characters through through the season. I just like, all right, I just want to see myself. And, <laughs> yeah.
0: Did you see yourself? Did you find yourself? In that
2: I episode? did. I recognized myself just in the backgrounds. But, mm-hmm. you know, I, I was not a prominent character in that, that season. <laughs>
1: Uh well I'm we're so impressed that you were you were there and you were in it and you were doing music clearly. <laughs> wow. Um music, so you know yeah. you really you know kept it up. Oh yeah. So um <laughs> but what's interesting, and I think this is important, if you just drop into almost any 80s show without a lot of context, it is going to feel very different. Mm-hmm. The world is so different, right? The amount of time that they spend on on a payphone in *It's a Living*, <laughs> it, it's plot and story points that there's a payphone in the right. in their dressing room, basically in their their backstage, as it were, an employee lounge, and it's so odd, right? But I think the interesting thing is when when the writing can still surprise you. Mm-hmm. That's what really resonates with me when you're like, "Oh, I think this is going this one way." And there's still some subtlety and and real surprise in the writing. And the things that are most interesting to me are sort of the relationships and the discussions that Laura Holt and Remington Steele had over their relationship in the early part of the show. I thought were really actually held up, even though the dynamics of 80s men and women in television were really weird. yeah. And so that was sort of the same for the Diane and Sam uh, relationship early on. And every time you thought, oh, this is about to go (laughs) really poorly, it actually didn't usually. Now I'm not saying always, but it was, there was just a lot of kind of beauty in that writing, that writing team. Well, you know, a lot of them, Ken Levine and his writing partner were on Cheers and they came from MASH. So there was a lot of just really really smart writing on
0: that show as susan mentioned in remington steel the relationship between laura and remington they had some conversations that i don't think you would see between a man and a woman on television today and this was happening in 82 83
2: for example
0: well obviously they're very attracted to each other and he keeps going well how come essentially kind of going well how come we're not sleeping together and she's like because i don't know who you are And I'm not willing to take this relationship any further until I do. And it was very frank and very adult and very calm. I was very impressed to see that in a show then. And I don't know that I've seen that conversation since in many of the shows that I've watched, most of the shows that I've watched. And and when you have a relationship between a male and female character and in Scarecrow, It's so interesting to follow that relationship between Mrs. King and Scarecrow as it develops over time because through the time of the show, she's constantly showing her competence and the fact that she does have something to offer. She's not just this bubble-headed housewife. And over time, it's almost like it flips that she's now the person in charge of the the relationship and not him. I did not remember that or expect that either. So there were some really interesting things happening and, and we can talk about, you know, what's going on in Cagney and Lacey in terms of not just the Cagney relation, Lacey relationship, but also the stories that they covered. And the, there's so much going on and so much nuance that I did not expect to find in a show from the 80s. And it's really been a revelation from that standpoint. In some ways, I think we've regressed in a lot of these kinds of ways that characters interact with each other, but I was still just rather surprised to see it in in those shows in the 80s.
2: We are having the time of our lives with the 80s TV ladies, but it's time for uh, Station Identification. 80s TV Ladies is a podcast devoted
0: to the beloved female-driven TV shows from the 1980s. With insightful
1: commentary and Emmy award-winning guests, 80s TV Ladies unpacks fabulous shows, television history, and the two steps forward, one step back of media-driven feminism.
0: Check us out at 80stvladies.com or find us on your favorite podcast player at 80s TV Ladies.
3: And we're back on the What Difference Does It Make podcast with our guests, the 80s TV ladies.
1: Well, and just to bring it back to music for a minute, I did want to talk about the Remington
2: Steel opening theme. I was going to ask about both of those, so go ahead.
1: (laughs) Because that one, again, is another one that's so tied to that show. It's Henry Mancini, so it's got a very unique sound. It's a very timeless and movie. It's got the feel (laughs) of a motion picture opening in many ways and, and it's it's very much a, a twist on the old detective novel of I was sitting down to do my work and then <laughs> she walked in. Right. It's the reverse. It's the gender reverse of that of like I had a job to do and then he walked in and screwed everything up.
4: <laughs> Try this for a deep, dark secret. The great detective Remington Steele, he doesn't exist. I invented him follow. I always loved excitement. So I studied and apprenticed and put my name on an office. But absolutely nobody knocked down my door. A female private investigator seemed so feminine. So I invented a superior. A decidedly masculine superior. Suddenly there were cases around the block. It was working like a charm. Until the day he walked in with his blue eyes and mysterious past. And before I knew it, he assumed Remington Steele's identity. Now I do the work and he takes the bows. But
1: that music is so cinematic. It's so palpable. That theme is really beautiful. And the the first season music in particular I felt was pretty sophisticated for 80s television. Then they start doing a lot of like, they're really leaning heavily into... James Bond type themes in season two. They're doing a lot of riffs. If they're doing a you know circus show, it's circus music in the background. Like it's it starts to get a very much on the nose later in the seasons. But the sophistication of that and there's two themes. There's the that that he wrote. Uh, there's the Loras theme, which is used as the opening music, which is sultry and and sort of softer. And then there's the Remington Steel theme, which is a uh, faster and kind of perkier. So that was just an interesting sort of using music as character and for characters. I know other shows obviously have themes for their characters, but these are so distinct and defined that you really do kind of know whose theme it is when it starts up. I found that pretty neat.
2: Yeah, that's a gift when you hear a music or just something that sets the table and like, okay, we know what we're getting into. Or before a character arrives, like, okay, you hear the music. Oh, okay. I know who's going to make an appearance right now. That makes it a lot more fun.
1: And I don't know if you remember, like I remember that opening from the 80s, like it just being like really different with that theme and her voiceover. It was so impactful of a way and strong way to start that show. It gets weird. And then the seasons go on and change (laughs) and the opening changes and gets just whacked out. But season one, opening was so much a part of that show. And I think that show's success is pretty tied. It's another one. I mean, again, it didn't doesn't quite reach the level of a cheers, but I would put it in a pretty great, distinctive 80s voice.
0: You know, all three of the shows we covered in our first season had really indelible theme songs. The Scarecrow and Mrs. King theme song also does a great job of setting the tone of what we're going to see and the tone of the show. It's also a great earworm. I mean there are times in fact I will it will probably be playing in my head the rest of the day now that I'm thinking about it. It's reminiscent of the the kinds of theme songs we used to get back in the 80s, as with Remington Steel, sort of setting the table, really telling its own story about the show we're going to watch. And then you get to Cagney and Lacey and you've got that great, great saxophone riff that opens it up as they're walking down the streets of New York. See all those images of them that, that tell us a lot about who they are as we're watching it. Just another really, really wonderful theme song that both of which really set the stage for the show that you're
2: about to watch. So I think of Mike Post when you mentioned the saxophone, like saxophone was all yeah. over, of course. So then I think of L.A. Law. But Mike Post had a number of theme songs that actually became hits. Like yes. we, we talked about, uh, you know, we know Cheers became a, a minor hit. But Mike Post, you know, he had Hill Street Blues went to number mm-hmm, 10. Mm-hmm. Uh, Magnum went to, was 20, went to number 25. Apparently LA Law just didn't become a hit, but these were songs that they were so big. What else, Holly? Yes.
3: When we talk theme songs and you just say, you know, the first one that pops into your head, the first one that popped into my head when we decided we we're going to do this was Rockford Files.
1: Mike Post. Yeah. I think most of these are Mike Post and Pete Carpenter together. Mike Post wrote a lot. Like I'm I'm a huge Stephen Cannell fan, (laughs) as is my husband. So we spent a lot of time talking about Rockford Files and the (laughs) A-Team and Hardcastle McCormick, all of which are Mike Post and Pete Carpenter. And then I love the Mike Post Greatest American Hero theme song, (laughs) believe it or not. He also did, oh, the Hardcastle McCormick theme song two different theme songs, one for season one, Drive. That was Mike Post and lyrics by Stephen Geyer. And then in season two, they're like, oh, no, that really cool opening song. We want to shift it up and change it into a buddy buddy song. And so the same team, Mike Post and Stephen Geyer wrote the back to back song, which is like, we're just two friends fussing and fighting. Like, what? And everybody was like, what? And then for season three, they go back to a version of the original song. <laughs> but both of those actually have become iconic to that show. You can tell a show that I was a fan of back in the day, but Mike Post, amazing. And then Hagney and Lacey was Bill Conti, oh, yeah. uh, who also did Dynasty. Uh,
2: because I, I yeah. have that because it uh, it reached number 52 in 1982.
1: <laughs> So he did a number. Bill Conti was a big, big theme song, 80s theme song guy.
0: Oh, huge, yeah. It got to the point where someone like me who wasn't at the time paying attention to credits, it got to the point where I was watching to see who wrote the music for shows and was always happy to see Mike Post's name pop up because his theme songs for shows were so great usually.
3: He was definitely symbolic to me. If you ask me to name any TV theme composer, it's Mike Mm -hmm. Post. However... Alan Thick had different strokes and facts of life. Alan Thick. The Alan Al- Thick. Alan Thick and his wife, Gloria Loring,
1: he- who was a singer
2: but also an actress. Yes, they did he write As Long As We Got Each Other? Do you know who sang that song? No. <laughs> uh-uh. Okay. I'm sorry, what was the name of the song again? As Long As We Got Each Other, the theme song from because we were mentioning was Alan wait a second. I'm getting, am I getting everything confused? Alan Thicke, was he in growing pains or am I thinking yes, of? Okay. Yes. Okay. He was the dad. All right. So then I did give it away. So that, yes, as long as we got. <laughs> I was getting confused looks from everybody. Like, am I not thinking of the right Alan Thicke? Okay. So, yeah, as long as we got each other sung by BJ Thomas and Jennifer yeah. Warnes. Show me that smile. Ooh, show me that smile. Don't blast Wow, I did not know that. But I don't know if he wrote, did he write it, Holly? Did you? Did
3: he write the, oh my gosh, or did he?
2: Go look it up. I did look it up after everybody left, and it turns out the lyrics were by John Bettis, who also wrote The Carpenters' Top of the World and Madonna's Crazy for You, among many, many others. And we could do a whole series on John As well as Steve Doerr, who wrote the music for Spencer for Hire, Murphy Brown, and had country hits with Lee Greenwood and George Strait, among many others. Clearly both amazing artists. So back to the podcast. Clearly we like Cheers, which has some lyrics to the songs. Do we like lyrics and songs? Sure. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Yeah. Absolutely. Or does, it, uh, or does it get distracting at, at times?
0: Well, no, because for all of the theme songs, whether there were lyrics or not, you were getting clips of the show. So it wasn't as though it was something new this week. It was the theme song was accompanied by whatever montage it was playing on top of. So it didn't matter to me whether there were whether there were lyrics or not.
1: There were some iconic lyric theme song we talked about a few there's obviously the golden girls thank you for being a friend um, although that was that,
0: already a hit song before it was already then. a hit song yeah but then it the was girls. it
1: was but it became owned basically by golden girls nobody remembers it as the hit song from the 70s they remember it right. as the golden girls theme <laughs> well and by nobody i mean nobody younger <laughs> than us Sorry. yes i know <laughs> it's exactly right. i think many people think of my life they think billy joel and not everybody unless you were in the 80s thinks the bosom buddies theme that's true because (laughs) that's where i first came to know my life and billy joel was through bosom buddies
0: i and i was already a billy joel fan i think before they started using that song on bosom buddies which i have to admit is not a show that i watched with regularity or whatever that's worth.
1: I did watch it because oh, I really like Tom Hanks oh, and I, I really like Peter Scolari.
2: <laughs> <laughs> One of my favorite shows. It, it, and it,
0: Holland Taylor.
2: It, Amazing. It, oh, gosh, yeah. oh,
0: I love and the, her. And the future Mrs. Dan Aykroyd too was the, the blonde on that show. Oh, I right, 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 right. It, yes. I can't remember her name to save
2: my life, but. Donna Dixon.
0: Oh yeah. Dixon. Yes. Yes. And then I, was
2: fantastic. And then I also <laughs> want to call back to Andrew Gold for, for thank you for being a friend.
0: And going back a little bit further, I just wanted to. (laughs) Keep um, going. (laughs) I was when 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 Susan mentioned "Greatest American Hero." When I hear somebody mention that song, the first thing I think of is the Seinfeld episode where George used that song for his answering machine and changed the lyrics, obviously.
2: Believe it or not, George isn't at home. Leave a message at the beep.
3: I must be out
2: before I pick up the phone. Where could I be? <laughs> Believe it or not, I'm not home.
0: <laughs> For better or worse, that's what I think of. We all did that. That
1: song has been used in a lot of movies and television. <laughs> a lot. Because I wanted I to look it up, too. And I so I looked up uh, Believe It or Not, music by Mike Post, lyrics by Stephen Geyer. The singer is Joey Scarbury, who... I just assumed had some sort of huge music career in addition to theme songs, but I'm not sure he did. Oh, wow. But he did sing, to bring it around, the (laughs) season two back-to-back for Hardcastle McCormick song.
0: Wow, that's impressive.
1: That, believe it or not, went to number two on the Billboard Hot 100, I noticed, because I was like, that was all over the place. So and one of the things I read about the lyrics is again, this is all internet research, so yeah. who knows? <laughs> but uh, Stephen Geyer once said that Ripley's Believe It or Not actually went to Stephen Cannell and threatened to sue for the words believe it or not.
2: Oh, really? Wow. wow. Amazing.
1: And and Stephen Cannell was like, uh, could you change the lyrics without like changing the song? And Stephen Geyer was like, No. <laughs> and I don't I think they're overreaching. Everybody knows believe it or not is not just Ripley's Believe It or Not. However Geyer thinks that Cannell actually paid them out something, Ripley's Believe It or Not, just to make them kind little, of go away and song. use the lyrics.
2: A little songwriting credit. Oh. Yeah. Oh. It says Joey Scarborough. He was a session singer for Mike Post. He did a lot of work with Mike, apparently. Wow. Yeah. It made it up to number two, did not reach number one. There are a few songs that did make it up to number one. Can you name? There's two songs. Can you? Oh. Name, oh wait, actually, I'm sorry. There was only one. One was featured in a TV show, not the theme, but because of its placement in an 80s show, it, it hit number oh. one. And then there's a theme song that hit number one. Can you name either one of those?
0: Well, I know it's not an eight Did the, did the theme song from Friends hit number one? No. Is that no? Oh, that's interesting. Okay, um, wait, um,
2: wait. that's not Asia, but Fame. Oh, no, uh, oh well. That was not, well, okay, let's say Well, originally. it would
1: have probably done with the movie. Yeah, right.
2: if, if, yeah. It, if it had. No. I'm, I'm not sure that. Let's just place, I'm going to place it in, 19, yeah. we're in 1985, oh. and, and your fashion has, uh, it's a certain fashion statement that. Uh, Miami
3: Vice. Yeah.
2: Oh, Holly, are you looking, I saw you look down, <laughs> then you looked up.
3: No, I'm not, I'm actually looking at my list of, because I, I have some years, I was just logging some years that shows were on the air, but as soon as you said that, I zeroed in on it. Yeah, fashion. Yeah. Con, like a member's only jacket. <laughs> yeah.
2: who composed hey. that? Do we know the composer? I can't composer. do not.
0: Um,
1: I should
2: Holly. Come on, Holly. Uh, you got this, Holly. <laughs> Oh, look up. Look at me. Eyes up. <laughs> oh, Hammer. Yeah, 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 yeah. yeah. No. Jan em- Hammer. MC Hammer? MC Jan Hammer. <laughs> yes, MC Hammer, who is Jan's brother. <laughs> yeah, okay. Oh, yeah. yeah, little known fact, they're related. Yeah. <laughs> well, that rumor's going to spread. Yeah, right? Yeah, so that was the ones. I mean, I know I walked around without socks for a while and pulled my sleeves up. Anybody else dress in your Miami wear?
0: I can't say that I did, but that's also a great theme song. I know I watched that show occasionally, but it wasn't one that I watched with any regularity. But yeah, definitely remember the song.
3: First of all, I have to say my husband to this day wears a t-shirt with a blazer over it. That is his look. That's his his look because he won't wear a collared shirt. And I tell him every time he puts it on, that's very Miami Vice. (laughs) But how something, because I also did not watch the show, but there are elements about it that just are embedded in your mind. And you feel like you watched it. But I, I as I was you know, looking at my list of the most popular 80s TV shows, there were a ton that I didn't watch. But I know, you know, I, I have just elements of them embedded in my brain.
2: Okay, so we got through an episode, but there's still more, if you like, possibly, right? <laughs>
3: there is so much more and you can hear part two on the 80s tv ladies podcast with susan lambert haddam and sharon johnson so definitely check it out we had a really fun conversation and i think you'll have fun recalling some of your own favorite 80s tv shows and the music that went
2: along with them yes so if you liked what you heard comments are great. We love them. We love reviews. Uh, Hopefully you love the 80s TV ladies as much as you love us or vice versa or reverse it, whatever way works for you. (laughs) We are very happy to have you aboard. You can follow us on our social media pages, which can be found where?
3: At WDDIM podcast and on YouTube, where we will have lots of outtakes from this chat with the 80s TV ladies and much more at What Difference Does It Make podcast on YouTube.
2: Love it okay if you want to see what we're up to you can subscribe to our newsletter which can be found on our website wddimpodcast.com that stands for what difference does it make podcast and we have a monthly newsletter it's a lot of fun so please subscribe subscribe to our podcast we want to thank the 80s tv ladies for your for doing this cross promotion it's it's fun i like bringing in other people who Go through the same things we, we have to deal <laughs> with all the time. The
3: trials and tribulations of podcasting.
2: Indeed, yes. So thank you again for joining us. Uh we'll see you on the 80s TV ladies podcast, possibly, hopefully. As we sign off every week, if this is your first time. <laughs> if this is your first time, welcome to it. But now we sign off as we do all the time with this is Dave. This is
3: Holly. Check you later. Over and out.